Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the show, Fifth Street Soccer here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. I'm not Dan Patrick, I'm Nick Eber, and my co-host, Kartik Krishnaya, well, he's not Dan Patrick either, because we do talk the beautiful game, something that Dan doesn't, and that's why we're here to do just that. We have a great show for you tonight. We are going to talk promotion and relegation, one of the most hot-button topics in American soccer today, we're going to be joined uh, by somebody that's been very, very busy sending letters out and uh, getting involved in the promotion relegation fight. Right, Kartik? And we're going to get Kartik here at some point. Uh, He's someone now we got him. No reduction. Yeah, we lost you there for a minute, Kartik. So welcome, welcome, Kartik. Oh, sorry. Chris Kessel will be joining us in the show, and he's someone who I think needs no introduction to those who followed reform and USSF or have advocated reform in USSF and also are concerned about the health of the game in this country. And, and uh, he's put himself forward and become quite a leader in the movement. And, and, he, and he walks the walk. The thing that makes Chris so uh, wonderful, and I think our, our uh, listeners are going to enjoy this, is he's a guy who is engaged in the sport of football, sport of soccer, uh, 24-7 on the grassroots level and at the boardroom level, right? And all the way down, all right. the way through. Well, we're going to talk about it with Chris Kessel today, right here. Fifth Street Soccer, 800-878-7529. If you would like to chime in, or you can find us on Twitter, we are at Fifth Street Sports. That's at sign Fifth Street Sports. That's our Twitter handle. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Fifth Street Sports Talk. Look, this is a really important and really big topic, and... Um, uh, it's very heated on both sides of the debate. You've got the uh, uh, Major League Soccer apologists who want to keep the status quo, say there's no way. Then you've got everybody else who looks at the rest of the world and says, well, if they can do it, why can't we? Well, let's talk about it. Fifth Street Soccer. Also, when we come back, before we get to Chris Kessel, we're going to kind of reevaluate our quote-unquote lock on Premier League spots this year, Kartik, because... As the transfer market winds down, well, some people are doers and some people are just talkers. And uh, we're going to tell you who's doing, who's talking, and who could be out of a job. Fifth Street Soccer, Sports Byline Broadcast Network, Sirius XM 211. Mickey Brancati, Krishna with you once again. Big hello to our men and women in uniform around the world listening on the American Forces Network. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back with more after this. All right, welcome back to the show. Fifth Street Soccer, Nick Eber and Kartik Krishna with you here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM 211. By the way, we also on iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and of course the award-winning Sirius XM app. We uh, thank you for tuning in. Hope you will join us each and every weeknight, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern. Now look, Kartik, before uh, the week is up, we are going to have a really much better idea of how we're going to start the Premier League season in terms of, say, handicapping the top teams. Last week, we were fairly certain that there was a lock on the top three positions, on City, on Liverpool, on Tottenham. 
based on the fact that Tottenham had signed Dombele, uh, that they that Tottenham was uh, getting ready to sign uh, Paolo Dybala, and uh, things looked uh, pretty rosy there at the new White Hart Lane. Now it seems that things are not quite as rosy at Tottenham as we thought, particularly in light of Mauricio Pochettino saying, quote, he's not in charge of transfers at the club, and Daniel Levy should change his name from manager to coach. This was said in the context of a press release following Spurs' 1-0 victory over Real Madrid. This was in Munich. Uh, this is a big statement on a big stage, Kartik. I think there's a lot more to this than meets the eye. Yeah, it was also a match that Juan Foyth, uh, the youngster, they have a lot of hope for and it's going to apparently slide into right back to replace uh, Kieran Trippier, who's been sold to Atletico Madrid, uh, got injured and might be out for a while. So frustration is that he hasn't, that they sold a right back and they didn't buy another one, right? right. Um, so Odembele was a... Um, was a, a, an outlier, right? Because uh, that was a big, big time buy and showed Spurs had some ambition, but that is the only purchase of any significance they've made. Uh, really, if you look at it in the last five windows, Lucas Mora, I think, was the other one uh, that came to them because he had fallen out of favor at PSG after the. Uh, uh, after Neymar was bought and so there were some changes at PSG. Uh, so maybe that's one that fell in their lap in the January window. The previous summer, not really anything uh, significant. And then now we've, we're talking about three successive windows. So they made, okay, so basically we'll say they made two big signings in five windows. Yet Poch, Pochettino has kept them in the top four. They finished in the top four, four successive seasons, which in this hyper-competitive yeah. era of the top of the Premier League is pretty darn good. And if you're not going to reward a coach who's able to accomplish that on a more limited budget than the other five teams he's competing with, and quite frankly, with less of a historical pedigree than those other five clubs, um, yeah, maybe he should move on, right? And maybe Daniel Levy doesn't deserve Mauricio Pochettino. Well, I mean, look, they brought in, uh, uh, they have brought in a couple of players. I mean, they brought in um, Dombele, Jack Clark. That would be the couple of players they brought in. Uh, now, that is £71 million. But keep in mind, as you mentioned, they lost Kieran Trippier. They lost Llorente. And, I mean, look, I know Llorente is not, like, a great loss. People aren't crying into their coffee about it. But he scored goals when he needed to score goals. And important we talk goals. Important goals. And we're talking about Daniel Levy here. We're talking about a man whose team went to the final of the Champions League last year who is not yeah. spending money, not supporting his manager. I mean, I look at Tottenham as a bubble, and they are going to burst unless something is done to shore up this team. Harry Kane, you know, he's injury-prone. He's also yeah. streaky, and he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. You need a Dombele in the midfield to boss things a little bit. But... Right. You know, you got Ericsson, who's a want away. I, I, we talked about this yesterday. I, look, let's take our head. Let, let, let's just say trouble in trouble at the mill. You're supposed to say, oh, no, what sort of trouble? But I'll tell you. Uh, the trouble, of course, is that the manager, I think, is going to walk or look for another opportunity if he doesn't get some serious financial support for his positions and possibly a say in the transfers as made. 
The other issue is uh, we talked about Arsenal and how lackluster they've been. Well, you know, they got busy, didn't they? I mean, Saliba, Martinelli, Ceballos, uh, who both you and I agree is an unbelievable coup for a, a loan signing. And then uh, Pepe is going to be joining them for 70 plus million. Now, you and I can argue whether these are the right players for them or not uh, all night long. I'm probably going to say they're not. What they're missing is that really tough spine. But you, one team, I think, that we have has actually flown surprisingly under the radar, Kartik, is Manchester United. Juan Bissaka, Daniel James. Yeah, those are the only two players they've actually brought in as of this moment. But I'm hearing, you know, we're hearing all sorts of discussions about Lukaku for uh, Dybala. That would be a bit of a coup, don't you think? Yeah, I think that that's something that could help both both teams because, look, I think uh, uh, Juventus is looking at this. They want a guy who's a target Ronaldo and their other attacking players to play off of. They've, they've added uh, uh, Aaron Ramsey in the midfield. So um, it, it fits kind of what Mauricio Tsari wants to do with the two wide players and then, you know, maybe the target guy in the middle, right? Uh, and then when you look at United, they got Dybala. Uh, I guess he would play as an out-and-out number nine. Maybe Rashford would, but I think Dybala leads the line there. You push Rashford wide. I, again, I don't know what formation Solskjaer is going to play. Man, it's possible he plays with two strikers. Um, but, yeah, that would that would boost him up a bit. I think Daniel James is the guy that's going to surprise some people. He's not yeah. going to be a, a great player in year one for them, but he, he impressed at Swansea last season. And then Juan Bissaka was one of the better fullbacks in the league last Last year was uh, that was a, a big time signing. Well, and we said it at the time. We thought that was a big time signing, but they didn't follow it up with anything. Um, that's where Spurs are now with uh, with with their big time signing. They haven't followed it up with anyone, and that's one of two big time signings in the last five windows for them. Problems. Yeah, problems, problems. Uh, look, uh, we don't have a whole lot of time. Harry Maguire is a big, big piece of this puzzle, and they want him, and they want him badly, unless the City aren't going to let him go, I don't think. They're not going to come to the price. However, Kartik, if they lose Lukaku and they lose Pogba, and they replace him with Dybala, I, you know, I don't know. It's really hard to know. I mean, so much of this is just up to, as you pointed out, you know, how Solskjaer sees this playing out, but, ooh, I, you know. I think the ball might fit in better there than yeah, Pogba has. Yeah, right? he certainly might fit in better than Pogba, but is that enough depth for this club? I know they don't have Champions League this year, but is that enough depth for this club? Is that enough depth for a 38-game season in the Premier League when they're fighting an Arsenal and a Chelsea and a Liverpool and a Manchester City? You know, and uh, Wolves, and an Everton, and some other really, really good teams up there. Um, is that enough? Is that? En- I mean, I was expecting them to bring in a bigger quantity of players as well. Yeah, I mean, but Dybala is a guy. He had a bad year last year at Juventus, but uh, the previous two seasons, previous three seasons, had been fantastic. I'm a, I'm a big and, fan. Um, Let me just say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a big I'm fan. A fan of his too. T- terrific player. 
Now, he's never reproduced that Serie A form on the international level, but that's the case with all these Argentine guys, right? I think these guys just don't like playing for their national team. I don't blame them. We we spent uh, the whole summer talking about Argentina, it seems like, outside of the Women's World Cup. That was our biggest topic. So uh, I don't want to belabor that point too much. But I think uh, if you're getting caught up by saying, well, Dybala hasn't produced for Argentina, he won't produce for Manchester United, you haven't been paying attention to the guy in in, in his club play at Juventus. It would be a great signing. I still do think it's a little... Little odd Juventus would let him go though. Um, again, he had he didn't have a good year last season by his standards, lofty standards. But the previous few seasons, he had been at least in Serie A unplayable and in Champions League pretty darn good too. Right, pretty tough to defend. I mean, Real Madrid had all kinds of trouble with him two years ago in Champions League, if you remember. Yeah, no, I I I, I do remember. I, it, look, it's gonna we're gonna have to keep our eye on United, and we'll be talking. I, I know Kartik, uh, are you gonna be able to join us at all this week? Because I know you're in New York with Miami FC, right? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm going to try to. I'm be, uh, uh, tomorrow is a better sh- shot than Friday. So, um, but uh, hopefully, I'll be here one of the next two days. At least. Yeah, let's talk. Let's keep an eye on it as these transfers unfold. In the meantime, stay tuned. Coming up, Chris Kessel. Let's talk about the big topic in American soccer on the night of the Major League Soccer All Star Game. What better time to talk about promotion and relegation for the USA? Right here, Sports Byline Broadcast Network, Sirius XM Two Eleven, Dan Patrick Sports. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the show. Fifth Street Soccer, Nick Ibrankartik, Krishnaya with you here on Sports Byline and uh, Sirius XM. Great to be talking the beautiful game. Look, uh, the game in the in the world, as we get ready for the greatest show on earth to kick off, uh, surrounded by other great shows, but not other shows equally as great. I'm talking, of course, about the Premier League about to kick off a uh, week after next. On Sunday, we have the community shield between Liverpool and Manchester City or Manchester City and Liverpool I'm not sure I believe Manchester City would be first because they are the uh, the actual qualifiers on the first round of qualifying right. uh, Liverpool came in on the second round of qualifying as the as the uh, runner up because City won the FA Cup but that's that's an aside um, Chris, the greatest show on earth about to start and one of the things that makes it so exciting Kartik is we talk about uh, not just not just the top teams but we talk about the teams that are coming up from the championship and what the teams that are struggling have to do to stay out of that whirlpool to Hades, uh, such as, for example, Newcastle United, who no doubt are going to be looking a little shaky. Uh, certainly the new boys are going to be looking shaky. Uh, we don't have that here in America. Here in Major League Soccer, we have the teams that are presented to us and that's it. And you can have a yeah. team with ambition, an LAFC, for example. You can have a team with ambition, uh, oftentimes uh, the Galaxy. Or And I'm picking West Coast teams because I'm on the West Coast here. But, I mean, you're looking at Seattle at times have shown great ambition as well, right? Portland. And then at times not. And then you've got teams that are perennially under-invested, teams that are underachievers. We're talking about uh, teams such as Colorado, for example. The guest uh, is ready. Uh, is a great is a great is a great uh, team to mention because there's no incentive for ownership to 
invest in these teams because every year they know they're going to be in Major League Soccer. Yeah. Every year that owner knows that he's going to be going to get a bigger and bigger piece, uh, a piece of a pie that is growing every year in terms of franchise fees from you know 20 million to 50 million to 100 million to 200 million to 300 million uh, and of course a piece of an investment in soccer united marketing which by all accounts is worth in the b- b- billions of dollars so there's no incentive as long as they're in the game as long as they're on the roster as long as they're on that list of teams appearing in major league soccer this season that owner is going to be getting that cash windfall and it's wrong Kartik. we need to put these guys feet to the fire and force them to invest in their teams and to compete i want to see gladiatorial combat that ends in a death i don't want to see two gladiators fighting with nerf swords yeah and and i think also just from the perspective you know that's that's the competitive perspective but you could talk about it also from the perspective of player development why is the u.s failing so badly in this sport part of it is there is no incentive for lower division teams to to develop players that also has to do with solidarity payments and and training compensation uh there's there's no incentive for uh lower division owners to invest in their clubs invest in academies invest in 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 keeping players long term and staff long term if they're never going to be promoted the only incentive is in uh impressing uh, uh, Major League Soccer by giving away a lot of tickets and saying you have 15,000 people at the game and hey, we meet some some uh, threshold because of the professional right. league standards, except us. Um, so it actually is detrimental uh, to the to the development of the American player and the American competitor in the international game. This is so, a international sport. We are unilaterally disarming as a nation right. because uh, we have opted to to run these these soccer leagues, football leagues in this country like they are American sports leagues so, where we're so, not competing with anyone. So, Kartik, the, the, the fact of the matter remains that that is the status quo. And the one thing that people who sit in the status quo in the star chamber hate is the squeaky wheel. Yes. They want everybody to shut up and just be happy that we have professional soccer here and we should just remember how bad it was back in the dark days after the collapse of the NASL when there was nothing and it was the abyss and it was terror, it was Hades. Well, our guest who's on the phone right now, Mr. Chris Kessel, is that squeaky wheel, Kartik. Uh, should we bring him on? <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Chris, welcome to the show. Great to have you with us. Oh, thanks for having me on this evening, guys. Well, it is a pleasure. Chris, uh, we talk about the squeaky wheel. We talk about the untenable situation as it exists right now. Untenable for the fans. Untenable for those of us who demand a high level of soccer. Untenable for those of us who want to look and say Major League Soccer is indeed a major league of soccer and not some afterthought stillborn in the world of uh, sterile American sports ownership. Uh, Chris, uh, you are the man that have de- you are a man that has decided to take it upon yourself and inflict change upon Major League Soccer. Tell us what you're up to. Well, you know, I, I've been uh, just like you said. I've been a squeaky wheel. I've been a thorn in the side of the establishment, and um, over the last few years, I've just went from being a guy who wanted to see change to getting involved with governance of the game at my local level, you know, with my club and with my league. And then now I'm on the board of directors with uh, 
West Virginia soccer, so I've actually got to vote at the last two AGMs to try to make change from within U.S. soccer itself. And, you know, that's, that's basically what I've been up to. Well, Chris, you want to make change from within Major League Soccer. Of course, you know, Major League Soccer is the governing organization for soccer, but really they are the stooges of Major League Soccer, would you not say? Yeah, there's definitely um, very large conflicts of interest that um, make it hard to uh, dissect the two organizations, United States, you know, the Federation and Major League Soccer, and, you know, with Don Garber sitting on the, you know, the, the board of U.S. Soccer, he obviously wields a lot of it, and Soccer United Marketing, you know, being the person, you know, the organization that's in charge of you know, the media rights and sponsorship for both the men's and women's and youth national team programs, and that being a subsidiary of, you know, MLS, it's, it's really hard to, to differentiate between what's good for the game for everybody, what's good for Major League Soccer, and, you know, currently, in my opinion, and most people's opinion that pay attention, you know, it's impossible to tell it apart that, you know, in a in a manner that United States Soccer Federation does do things that would harm Major League Soccer, but would be good for soccer as a whole. And unfortunately, that's where we're at right now. Kautik, you wanted to chime in here. Yeah. So, Chris, wanted to uh, bring up and, and and get your thoughts uh, about the letter you wrote several months ago, which I, I think was incredibly well received and uh, we're stunned that so many independent clubs in this country signed it. It was a letter asking, well, I'll let you, you, you describe the letter, but I want to mention over 300 independent clubs, far more than any of us uh, armchair analysts thought would sign it, signed it, which, which told us the, the, the desire for reform. Uh, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, so, um, you know, myself and another gen, we um, thought that it would be a, a really smart move for all the independent clubs, you know, across the country to have the opportunity to write a letter of support for the CAS case that, you know, Miami FC and Stockade FC had filed um, to try to bring about promotion and relegation and following, you know, FIFA bylaws you know, within the Federation, which the Federation, according to their own bylaws, are supposed to do. As long as it's not against United States law, they're supposed to follow all FIFA bylaws, which currently they're not in multiple areas. So, you know, we started reaching out to clubs that we knew and asked them if they would be willing to sign on, and we started getting lots of clubs to sign on. And then what we did then was, we turned it into a grassroots effort. We said, hey, clubs, why don't you ask other you know, clubs that you have relationships with? And then we put it out there on social media, and we said, can you know, people that support this, can you go to your clubs, either that you're, you're, you're a player for or you're a supporter of, and you know, or your child plays in the club, you know, in the academy or whatever, and can you ask everybody to sign on and and the feedback was phenomenal. We, over the course of just a few weeks, we went from 100 to 200 to 300, and we submitted the first 100 directly to the FIFA Executive Committee, and um, 
So when they were having a meeting in Miami, we hand-delivered it to all of the members of the Exco. And then at 200, we had also submitted it to U.S. Soccer. Then at 200, Carlos Cordero actually wrote us a letter back and responded to it. And then when we got 300, we, all, we then sent it to um, every member of CONCACAF asking uh, for support for, you know, literally hundreds of clubs in the United States that want to see an open pyramid, want to see drastic change, you know, want to have the ability to grow in a soccer market that is what FIFA wants and what exists in the rest of the world so that everybody has a chance to actually get to be the club that they're capable of being. Hey, Chris, uh, great stuff. Uh, listen, I'm going to ask you to hang on. we got to take a break here in less than a minute. When we come back, I want to ask you about just how loud were those crickets? How loud was that sound of crickets when you delivered that message to Carlos Cordero and to the uh, U.S. folks at U.S. Soccer? Love to know what their excuses were for ignoring you. Let's talk about it. Fifth Street Soccer, Sports Byline USA. We're also on Sirius XM 211 and the award-winning Sirius XM app. As I mentioned before, we'd like to welcome all of our men and women in uniform around the world listening on the American Forces Network. And yes, we are the most widely distributed soccer show in America. The others are only pretenders. We are the original. Uh, Nick Ebert, Kartik Krishnaya, we're going to step aside, take a break, and be back with more with Chris Kessel, our guest, after this. All right, welcome back to the show. Fifth Street Soccer, Nick and Kartik with you. We are having a, a robust discussion about promotion and relegation uh, with Mr. Chris Kessel, our special guest who's still on the line with us. Uh, Chris is that squeaky wheel. He's the man that's not prepared to just sit on Twitter and talk about it. He wants to actually do something about it. Welcome back, Chris. Uh, good to have you still with us. Uh, we were talking, to, you were mentioning prior to the break the letter that was sent and now had been circulated and signed by as many as 300 clubs uh, demanding that uh, U.S. soccer abide by FIFA regulation. Although I will say this, Chris, we've had on some top football attorneys, including Bob Caldwell, who is considered probably the top football attorney in the country. And uh, it is a guidance and not a law, but we can talk about that uh, a different time. It does seem to me, though, Chris, that uh, despite having a letter that speaks volumes, uh, the response maybe is crickets so far? Yeah, so we we were given a letter back. Carlos Cordero, the president of U.S. Soccer, did write us a letter back. But the letter was basically a letter of acknowledgement, and then it said that, you know, they would have a discussion about promotion and relegation after the CAS case was, you know, decided. So, you know, even though there are hundreds of clubs, you know, with thousands of players from all across the country that are interested in having a discussion, figuring out how, how to have a plan forward to eventually get to having an open pyramid in the United States, U.S. soccer just was not interested in having this discussion right now. And it seems to me and to most people who read it that they are only going to have a discussion if they're made to have that discussion. 
Mm, fascinating. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, you know, I think that the problem is is that Major League Soccer, and take U.S. soccer out of the equation here, Major League Soccer is interested in owning all aspects of the American soccer landscape, uh, whether it is the academies, whether it is, you know, all the, they want all the academies to be under the MLS banner, uh, whether it's the uh, closed system, whether it's the single entity system. And I think they see a, a delineation between sort of Major League Soccer and everything else. And as long as you don't mess with their, them, they don't care about what everybody else does. Don't you think that's the way they see it? I, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, if, if you look at how the DA is set up, and most of the MLS academies have a pre-academy set up that charges thousands of dollars a year to participate, many of the um, MLS owners are making tens of millions of dollars in revenue per year off of youth soccer and they've manipulated the da system to do that and they have you know brought in all of the media you know the media and sponsorship rights for the national team under their umbrella i mean they've they've done everything that they can to bring everything under the mls and the soccer united marketing banner to try to make every dollar from american soccer you know theirs and that's that's, uh, you know, in my opinion, that's, that's not going to work. It's not fair for owners. It's not fair for players. It's not fair for communities. It's not what the United States Soccer Federation should be enabling. Because that's what they're doing right now is, is the Federation enables these activities. I mean, obviously, MLS is going to do what they can to try to make as much money as they can. But the Federation is supposed to step in and say, no, this is what's best for American soccer. This is what's best for every community. This is what's best for every player, coach, and referee, and owner, and fan all across this country. And currently, they're not doing it. They're just enabling one organization to try to make every penny off of every person that loves the game in this country, the millions of people that love the game in this country. They're trying to enable one company to make all that money. Chris, I'm, I'm wondering why it is that the general fan uh, out there does not understand the Soccer United marketing issue. I mean, we talk about it on this show all the time. Uh, you, Dan Workman, and others have brought it to the attention of, uh, uh, of fans throughout the country. And quite honestly, some of these recent lawsuits and pieces of litigation have all uh, had some sort of piece where some was mentioned, whether it was it's the relevant lawsuit, whether it's the U.S. women, whether it's the NASL antitrust suit, they all seem to have one common thread, even though they're dealing with the topics as disparate as uh, antitrust, equal pay, and, uh, and sanctioning fees. Uh, they all seem to have this, this common thread that Soccer United Marketing and U.S. Soccer run a closed shop and have numerous conflicts of interest. But why, why isn't it that it's not out there as more? Do you, do you think that there's some reason for that? Well, I, I think that the reason for that is, is because soccer is ran differently than any other sport in the United States. Like people, even people that have been a part of the game, you might have played, you know, through your whole childhood and still playing in an adult league, and you've been doing soccer for 30, 40 years, they still don't really understand how a state association is tied to the United States Soccer Federation is tied to FIFA. Mm -hmm. Like, people don't really understand it, you know, because it's just not a part of the American sporting culture. 
to have an organization that is in charge of the game. You know, they, they understand how the NBA works in the NFL, and they kind of under, people kind of understand how the NCAA works, but they don't really, really get it. So it's, it's new. Like, when you hear this, you go, oh, well, why don't they just go and do their own thing? Well, they're not allowed. I mean, you're not able to. So, like, people kind of can't put the entire puzzle together unless, like, I've started to say it this way. Like, people like myself and, and you all, we're kind of like the policy wonks of soccer in the United States. When you're worried about how the game is actually governed, you know, that's a little bit different than just being a fan. It's, it's You have to dig in a little bit deeper, and you have to say, well, this is really how we can change this structurally to help a bunch of people. Because, I mean, realistically, that's what would happen. If the game is opened up, every community then has access to it. And that's what promotion and relegation in an open system does. It gives every community access. When people say, we don't get enough inner city players, we don't get enough rural players, we don't have enough minority players, we don't have this, we don't have that. When every community has access to the game, the ability to grow their club and grow their community and, you know, participate, that's when everybody will participate. And that's something I also think that a lot of people don't really understand is, is People all across this country have this idea in their head, well, if everybody that liked European soccer or South American soccer, they were just fans of MLS. Well, you know what? If every community had a team that they could cheer for and they could watch grow, if everybody in Iowa had their own team, everybody in Idaho and West Virginia and Kentucky, and we all had a local team that we could go and cheer for and invest in and care about, they could make it to the top everybody would pay attention to Major League Soccer and, and, because they're, you know, the first division. Everybody would. And, you know, Chris, that is such an American concept too, isn't it? I mean, anybody can make it through merit all the way to the top. And, and soccer should be a meritocracy. Now, there's obviously some discussion about what that looks like when you get to the very top. The meritocracy tends to uh, prefer those who come in with a much larger bankroll. <laughs> but uh, uh, <laughs> certainly the opportunity to participate, the opportunity to make it. And, you know, it will, it will force those people like the owners of Colorado. And I pick on them, by the way, because they come to mind immediately. But they're not the only one, the Cronkies. I mean, there are other people that are just happy to be there and to take their piece of the sum pie and to take their piece of... Uh, to take their piece of the Ponzi pie as more and more people buy in with uh, fat uh, uh, fat franchise fees and those get distributed to the owners, you know, it's going to force them to, to develop a product that is going to be world-beating because when the American soccer landscape is incented to do so, there's no reason why we should not have the best league in the world. Kartik, don't you think that's logical? Well, that is logical. I mean, I think, though, again, you have to get the smaller communities engaged in this sport and you have to have incentive and incentivize owners uh, and communities that are not in the top top division, that are not in the closed top division. And it's not just a closed top division. It's a closed top division where it becomes open if you if you uh, um 
flash a lot of cash. So it's not, it's not like it's closed because it was a meritocracy and these clubs have historically been bigger or better than the other clubs uh, in the country. It's a closed uh, uh, league because they want lots of cash to open the league uh, and they want right. to be in the biggest television markets, even though their television ratings don't reflect that. Um, but I think the big thing is incentivizing um, owners and communities because communities can also invest in clubs and getting rid of the pro league standards so you can have a community-owned club. You can have a situation like in the Bundesliga where the uh, owners of the club are the, 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 the members of the club, uh, like uh, Borussia Dortmund. Borussia Dortmund's ownership structure would not be permitted in the U.S. league system under USSF bylaws. Think about that for a minute. You know, one of the biggest clubs in the world, one of the most successful clubs in the world. Their ownership structure would not be allowed in the United States. Uh, absolutely. Uh, well, we just have a couple neither more minutes. With Barcelona, neither with Real Madrid. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. Those are membership clubs, too. I thought of yep. Dortmund because I was thinking of Germany for some reason. But you're right, Chris. Right. All these member owned clubs, which is a good chunk of the big clubs in Europe, would not be permitted in, in under our PLS. That's right. I mean, that is absolutely right, uh, Kartik. But look, we just have a couple of minutes left. Chris, uh, if, you're list if our listeners are listening to this and they're getting hot under the collar like we are, uh, tell, uh, d let everybody know how they can help you uh, to achieve the goal that we all want to achieve. Talk to, your, um, talk to the club that you care about, whether your kids play for it, you play for it, at, we're still accepting signatures on the letter. You know, have the club that you care about. Contact them. Tell them to sign it. You can uh, look if if you go find me on Twitter. I'll tweet it out again today, right now. How to sign up? The Chris Kessel. That's T H E C H R I S K E S S E L L. I'll tweet the letter out. Have more clubs sign on because if we can go from 300 to 500 or a thousand clubs it becomes a, a tidal wave of people wanting change. A tidal wave might well be what it takes uh, to wash away the old corporate interests and usher in a new era of uh, football the way we want it. Uh, Chris Kessel, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. We'd love to have you on again. Uh, and let's certainly plan our victory party together. Chris, thank you. Yes, thank you. All right, uh, Kartik, just a couple of minutes left. I mean, you know, we may sound like a couple of uh, a couple of crybabies here to people that don't really understand it, but you know, you have to understand this is our country, this is our football, and the owners of Major League Soccer like to think that they have all of the answers and that they are going to tell you how to enjoy your sport, and that's what gets under my collar, Kartik. C correct. They even developed a hashtag what was it a year or two ago our soccer as if they owned soccer in this country none of these other independent clubs in the small communities and in some quite large communities also that chris is talking about and that he works with as if they don't exist and they don't matter the only soccer that's ours in america is theirs major yeah. league soccer that's what they yeah. want us to believe and yeah it's simply not true it is a boys club it is a fraternity it is that horrible fraternity with all the snooty kids needs to be broken up because they're busy having illegal hazing and spanking each other with paddles. I don't know what they're doing when the lights go off, but uh, it's enough. We need change. All right, Nikki Bacotti, Krishna, we'll be right back to wrap it up for Street Soccer.
All right, welcome back to the show for Street Soccer. Very quickly, uh, Nikki Bakartik, Krishna, with you. We just literally have a couple of minutes. So I'm going to throw it over to Kartik. We've had a very robust uh, discussion and the first of many about promotion and relegation in the USA. But before we, uh, and we will have more, but before we wrap up the show very quickly, Kartik, big news, ESPN is now getting the Bundesliga. Fox have one more year and then it will be on ESPN+. Plus. Give me your thoughts quickly. Yeah, I think it's big for the Bundesliga because right now you have to pay $20 a month for Fox Soccer or whatever it's called now, Match Pass. It's been uh, rebranded a couple times. The Bundesliga has not been that accessible. Um, unfortunately uh, for Fox, uh, they're going to lose the property. That's their last big-time European club property. They've lost the Champions League. They've lost the FA Cup. They lost the Premier League many years ago. They lost Serie A many years ago. I just hope ESPN... Uh, uses Derek Ray and Keith Costigan in some fashion on their broadcasts um, because those two guys know the league in, inside and out and both live in the United States. Well, you know, let's, uh, let's be honest, shall we? And let's just be happy that it's not TNT. It's AB, <laughs> you know, ABTNT, anyone but TNT, anyone but TNT, anyone but Turner, Bleacher Report, hell no. Yeah, and we've seen that with the Liverpool preseason again. Really kind of shoddy the way they've handled that. Two ninety nine to watch Liverpool play a friendly at 10 o'clock in the morning. They're having a laugh, mate, having a laugh. And I tell you what, as much as I love my club, I did not shell out the dosh because I thought that was just super, super cynical. All right, well, that's uh, just about going to uh, wrap the show up for us uh, today. Uh, we have really enjoyed it. And having Chris Kessel, a great guest, a serious issue. As you know, these are issues that we follow and will continue to follow here on the show, so stay tuned. By the way, you can find our podcast now on the Believe Podcast Network, B-L-E-A-V. Uh, I hope you enjoy them, and uh, most importantly, we hope you join us Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern, right here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM 211. Until tomorrow, have a great night. Speak to you then. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.